0: This is the Mike Garrigan Podcast. The night that culminated in one of the most enjoyable, artistic, and creative experiences I've ever had on stage began with an unexpected email message I received completely out of the blue, on August 25th, 2022. John Plymal wrote to tell me he had an interesting proposition for me. How would I like to be the lead singer and cover 12 Ramones songs for the Be Loud 22 benefit on September 24th? My gut reaction was, yes, totally. Um... I had a date on hold uh, for a private show, but uh, as it turned out, we pushed that back to mid-October, and so I went ahead and committed to the show, uh, but not without knowing wh- what I wanted to get out of the experience. I had done a handful of these tribute concerts before, uh, but with those, I never felt like I fully committed to... Uh, the experience. You know, I I never fully committed to the role that I took on. Uh, What do I mean by that? Uh, One time I did a a Lemonheads tribute. Um, We had four people in the group and, you know, we all took turns singing mainly because, you know, we all love the songs, but um, that, you know, that's not what the Lemonheads are. It's a three-piece rock band. So um, they just had one singer most of the time. Uh, And the time I participated in uh, the recreation of the early 80s cult, uh, I ended up playing both the Ian Asbury and Billy Duffy parts, which was fun, but not true to the band um, that we were uh, paying tribute to. So uh, for the Ramones, I really wanted to play the part I was asked to play as true as possible. And uh, it sounded like the band I was going to perform with also wanted to be true to the material to the vision and the image of the Ramones. The Ramones rank among the most important rock bands of all time. Rolling Stone magazine uh, gave them a number 26 out of 100 in its 100 Greatest Artist Countdown. Lenny Kaye's brief essay uh, in that countdown is worth reading, um, and he talks about how they aspired to be the Beach Boys, but were also this sort of cartoon-like version of rock and roll tough guys. Um, uh, And at one time, Spin Magazine issued the Ramones a number two of all-time ranking, Uh, and the Ramones were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002, a year after Joey Ramone died and just a few months before Dee Dee Ramone died. And in 2011, the Ramones were awarded a a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, from the Grammys. So, The Ramones are an important band. Uh, The Ramones are also an anomaly among important bands in spite of the critical accolades that we've just heard. Uh, They only had one gold record uh, to their name, and they were never able able to uh, fill arenas uh, like their contemporaries. Yet, uh, when they came to the U.K. in '76 they left this undeniable mark on bands like the Sex Pistols and The Clash. And sim- similarly, bands like Black Flag and Social Distortion and The Descendants, they trace their main influences uh, among their in- influence back to the Ramones. And in, in the 70s, the Ramones were like what the Velvet Underground was in the 60s. You know, not many people bought their album, but everyone that did formed a band and tried to sound like them. I think that was a paraphrasing of a Brian Eno quote uh, about the Velvet Underground, but I think the Ramones, it's the same way. So my exposure to the Ramones was relatively limited up until uh, a few months ago. Uh, By comparison... Um, You know, if I had to do an REM tribute or a Pink Floyd tribute, I could probably just jump up after spending a day with the set list and and do it. You know, but here, um, I knew I needed a few weeks of immersion into the world of the Ramones. And admittedly, my exposure to the Ramones had been the Ramones Mania cassette that came out in 1988. And we would pass the tape around at band practice in middle school. And, you know, the songs were great, but they were too fast for us to pull off as like 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds. And um, we talked about trying to do I Want to Be Sedated, but that had a key change, which was really beyond our seventh grade comprehension, at least as I look back on it. And and then there was the time I got to sing the the bam, 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 bam part at the House of Blues in Los Angeles sometime in January of 1999. It's not as cool as it sounds. The lead singer of an 80s cover band just put the microphone down uh, into the audience, and I was on the front row, and I sang the part. So, uh, still counts, you know. Um, For most bands, in my opinion, uh, songs exist in the context of albums. And this is not really true today where you have singles and things, but uh, I experienced things and categorized music in terms of the albums that the songs appear upon. So my first step was to listen to the five albums from which the set list came. And uh, these were the first four albums and then the ninth album, a record called Animal Boy. And this was exciting to me because, um, as you can tell, I prefer albums to singles. And hearing the material around a resonant song shows what brings rise to that song. Uh, By comparison, Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane by The Beatles make more sense and resonate deeper once you listen to Sgt. Pepper, right? Because it was done contemporaneously. Um, So as a side note, the uh, 12 song set list, uh, it did expand into 14 songs as we got into preparing for the show. Um, Still, I don't think we played longer than 30 minutes, even with the 14 songs. So that gives you an idea of uh, how short uh, the Ramones songs often are.
1: Gonna get you soon. Gus Gus, kitchenware attitude. Nothing more than an acorn shell. Yeah, this is my October. Shadow me accordingly. Nothing more than a bit too fast. Fall down, hit the ground, not meant to last. Nothing more than I need to. yell, yeah. yeah. This is my October. Let me down. Oh, sweet. Thought we'd break this ground here, fall down, hit the ground, don't make a sound, dear. Thanks, it's been nothing more than a big.
0: Three songs from the first album, Ramones, uh, were Blitzkrieg Bop, uh, Beat on the Brat, and Judy is a Punk. Um, of all the Ramones albums, the first one is, is clearly the most lo-fi, but that somehow doesn't detract from its power and its relevance. Um, uh, statistics and uh, information about the record uh, shows that it was recorded for under $7,000 and produced by um, Craig Leon. Uh, and it came out in April of 1976. Um, the first thing I noticed on this album was how the bass and the guitars were oddly panned at times. And it doesn't really matter much if you're listening passively, like, you know, on your computer, just sort of or have it in the background on a, on a stereo far away. But if you're listening on headphones, it can be a little disorienting. So if you're out on a jog listening to the album version of Blitzkrieg Bop, you might be going, what is going on? Um, the subject matter of these three songs is, uh, it's fairly violent, you know, Blitzkrieg Bop. The little, literal reading of the song just has kids going to a show and having a good time. And My reading of the song is that it relates to the nihilism of the threat of nuclear war. And it's the same thing that generated uh, the metal themes at the same time. So uh, Beat on the Brat and Judy as a Punk seem to comment on the social mores more among working class. So that's the the first album has its own thing. Uh, Two songs from the second album, uh, Leave Home, were Gimme Gimme Shock Treatment and Pinhead. And uh, this record sounds better uh, than the first one, and it, it has even faster songs. and uh, it was produced by uh, Tony Bongiovi, who's actually the cousin of John Bon Jovi uh, and it was released in January of '77. And Leave Home proved that the Ramones, they weren't just a one album band. you know they, they went a little deeper and faster and the songs on Leave Home were uh, more diverse. And uh, the two songs that we did, uh, they deal with things like mental illness and peer acceptance. So we're talking about sort of a different perspective there. Uh, The most songs from our set came from the third album, uh, Rocket to Russia. And song for song, Rocket to Russia seems to be the strongest Ramones album, just in my opinion and in general retrospect. The same production team is credited with uh, Rocket to Russia as uh, Leave Home, uh, although some say that Ed Stasium, the album's engineer, did most of the production. Uh, Rocket to Russia came out in November of 77. And uh, the three of the five songs that we did from this record are classics, like Rockaway Beach, Sheen is a Punk Rocker, and Teenage Lobotomy. Uh, We're a Happy Family is a crowd favorite at their shows, and uh, it went over well at our show too. And it's It's a little more cutting edge than the other three, and uh, Do You Want to Dance is a Bobby Freeman cover, but I can't imagine hearing it any other way now. Three songs from the fourth album, Road to Ruin, were I Just Want to Have Something to Do, I Want to Be Sedated, and Rock and Roll High School. Of course, Rock and Roll High School appeared on their fifth album, End of the Century, but the version for the movie of the same name and the version that most people like best, and there were three versions, is the Ed Stasium version. Uh, Road to Ruin was produced by Tommy Ramone, who incidentally left the band as the drummer to work solely as a studio engineer with the band and Ed Stasium. Road to Ruin was released in September of 1978, Uh, with Rock and Roll High School being recorded in early 79. And uh, if there's something that separates uh, Road to Ruin from the previous albums, it's this diversity of sounds and tempos and feels. It's a different Ramones here. Uh, I just want to have something to do, for example, is it's more of a straight-ahead rock song than a a punk song. Uh, The other two, however, are uh, punk classics. Uh, the outlier of the set uh, was a song called uh, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, and it came from their 1986 album Animal Boy. Uh, this is a high-energy song that's more of a fast rock song than a, a punk song. And uh, this song is different from most Ramones songs in that it's, uh, it's political. It's a political statement, which uh, is so different for them. Uh, the band here is commenting on a political faux pas that uh, President Reagan made in 85 when he went to West Germany and appeared in the band's view as a Holocaust sympathizer. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true, but that's uh, worth what they're writing about. And, you know, the song does more than that, though. And the, the second verse seems to be more about uh, a personal relationship than uh, political uh, vitriol, or uh, for lack of a better term. and. Also, this song, uh, if there was any doubt or any question about the imagery in Blitzkrieg Bop, it's totally uh, assuaged and uh, um, remedied here. Uh, th- that wasn't what they were about. Uh, they were, um, yeah, not about the imagery that people assigned to them. My task seemed clear. I was going to learn the 14 songs the best I could. And the first thing I noticed about Blitz Creek Bop was that uh, it was repetitive, but not in this sort of copy paste way that you see in modern music. Where, let's say, the the band had a good chorus and a good verse, and they just uh, you know copied them over to the uh, the the playlist or the uh, play space. There, uh, there there's a certain number of drumming bars followed by a hey ho section, and then there's a repetition of a chorus in a middle eight, but the last time through, they, they dropped the middle eight and they go directly back to the hey hose, which is exciting. But uh, I felt a little confused just listening to the song at first. I was thinking, oh, yeah, you can just do A, B, C, A, B, C, and that's it. That's not the way it goes. Um, and so what I did for all the songs was I charted out a lead sheet for myself with the chords, the arrangement, and the melody, literally inputting the notes Uh, into a program and listening back to them, making sure that the cadences were right for what I was doing. And uh, from the first song, I came to the realization that Ramon's songs are much more complex than uh, I had given them credit for. Maybe that seventh grade uh, instinct was correct, right? Um, So the general trend I noticed uh, was that the song seemed simple uh, at least the ones that seemed simple, they ended up being more difficult, and the ones that seemed difficult were a little bit easier. I think the theory was that um, you know simple is difficult, and, and also maybe if something is perceived as being more difficult, it might get more attention. Uh, Bonzo goes to Bitburg, uh, intimidated me at first, uh, but once I got the arrangement, it, it made more sense. Uh, Sheena is a punk rocker. By contrast, had uneven repetitions, and it was almost the same as Rock and Roll High School. And there was one time at the rehearsal, um, I was singing the wrong melody (laughs) over the the song, but um, I also had a cold start on Sheena, and so I had to really imagine the tone in my head uh, and begin in key. Kind of tough, but we, we pulled it off. So after I finished charting the songs, I'd often strum them on an acoustic guitar just to get the arrangement in stone and in my head. And the Ramones often pair measures of two, four with measures of four, four, uh, and they string them together. So you have say 24 bars, but they aren't just sets of four bars. It's like one, two, one, two, three, four. Um, it's really exciting to listen to, and it's even more fun to perform, but, uh, did take a little bit of math to to figure it out for me. Um, I think the reason Bonzo and Something to Do were a little easier for me to comprehend was that they were almost more straight-ahead rock songs than fast punk songs with super strange alien changes. Um, Punk fast is uh, something that requires strenuous mental energy to learn first, but Eventually, muscle memory takes over, but it's like learning a foreign language. You know, it's just different than uh, playing uh, regular chords. So, uh, as we approached the show in the week before, I still wasn't 100% without the notes that I had made uh, in front of me. So, I went ahead and printed the lyrics to each song and made some hieroglyphics uh, for notations on the arrangement, like arrows and stop signs and things. So, just so I didn't get lost and it made sense to me. You know, And I ended up using the notes during the show, but I feel like now that I've been through it once, uh, and if we did it again, I wouldn't need the notes, at least uh, not on those songs. Thank you. Hey, what's up, Becca? How you doing?
2: Before static there was memory Before memory came rain before rain, there was the ocean. In the ocean, there was pain. Before pain, there was the devil. For the devil, there was God. Before God, there was static. Goes on and on and on. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just want to fall in love. After static there was reason After reason then came noise After noise there was a season A springtime for the boys And the boys they found the ladies The ladies loved their men And they all created static Again and again But I I fall in love. Treason as it rains on the parade. I hear reason after reason, but my life just fades away. I will walk around in circles, tread the earth till I am found. Eat the static with a smile, cause it never makes a sound, yeah. And I just wanna fall in love. Fall in love.
0: And so we we rehearsed at a man cave in Hillsboro. Uh, someone was nice enough to let us use their uh, movie room, and he had it set up like a practice space. And we basically walked in to a rehearsal space. It was very very nice. Um, there were tons of Blu-ray discs. And DVDs lying around, um, most of which I had seen. You know, I'm a movie guy, and I just assigned a lot of fond memories to the films that were surrounding us. It. it was just a really inviting. Didn't expect uh, to have that re- emotional response to um, just a collection of movies. But uh, one of the cool things about walking into a rehearsal like this was that I was also walking into the company of three musicians who had played together for over three decades, okay? So these guys knew each other, how they played and stuff. And so John and Jody and Norwood, uh, they were half of the legendary Chapel Hill band, the Sex Police. And uh, the band was also, they were on great terms with each other. So the energy in the, in the space was, it was positive and energetic. And that's not always the case uh, when you get people together who've been playing together for a while. Um, so we set up and, and just started playing within about a half hour of getting there, and we did Blitz Creek Bop, and uh, we all knew it was going to work after the first uh, song. So everyone did their homework, and no one was unprepared, so it was great. Uh, for the first rehearsal, we didn't wear costumes, and uh, but for the next rehearsal, we did. And the sunglasses made it difficult for me to see my notes, uh, but I could still make out the symbols pretty well. Um, you know, I only messed up a few times uh, during each pass of the material, and that's good for a rehearsal. That's what rehearsals rehearsal's for. Uh, the day of the show, we arrived um, at 3 p.m. Uh, for load in and a sound check. It was a simple hour drive from Hagen Stone Park where I watched my daughter have her first cross-country meet that morning. And I left there around 2 and rolled into the parking deck of the adjacent uh, space to the cradle there at uh, around 3 o'clock. And uh, the Cat's Cradle was, uh, when I got there, was decked out in these giant posters from the Be Loud events of the past. And I think this was the eighth one. Uh, and every year they, they seem to have gotten better. Uh, Collapsis played uh, the one in 2018. And the year before, the, the Be Loud community of musicians, uh, the year before this, rather, in 21, they, they covered London Calling by The Clash. Um, in in its entirety with each act taking a side of the double album. So I wish I'd seen that, but I missed it for some reason. Uh, But this year, we were going to have interpretations of The Police, The Cure, and The Ramones. Uh, So that was the the main show, and there was a group from uh, the Durham area called Secret Monkey Weekend, Secret Monkey Weekend is what they're called, and they opened the show. And, you know, they were a fun band, and what was cool about them is they – are completely composed of family members. So I think the drummer was possibly 16 years old, not sure. Uh, But they played a a fun set of originals, and they did a really, really tasteful cover of uh, Psycho Killer by The Talking Heads. When The Police started, uh, it sounded like a song I knew, but it wasn't The Police. I I was confused. I thought maybe Maybe this was a Strontium 90 song that was really obscure and they were going through, you know, a, a time warp through their career. But um, so, you know, I just peered over the balcony uh, from from the backstage area and I saw that Preach, the band that was to perform The Police, had uh, decided to switch to ZZ Top at the last minute. Um, I'm not sure how they did this because they, well, they had beards, you can't just go out and get you know, ZZ Top beards and the suits uh, last minute, Uh, and they had all the costumes too, so uh, the whole performance was, it was quite impressive and a surprise, Um, and the song that I recognized, it was Thunderbird, (laughs) just kind of not really police, but anyway, it was awesome, they were just really great, tight, Uh, is a thing to see. Uh, In between the sets, the, the Be Loud organization, they got on stage to auction off some things like basketball tickets and prizes, they ended up raising nearly $30,000 that night. Uh, so it was all a great success. You know, this was a good event and uh, Be Loud organization is a, a really good one. Uh, what Peggy Wants, a band from the Chapel Hill area from back in the day, they did a set of, of songs by the band, The Cure, and it was it was magical. It was, it was amazing. They They played the songs that I think if someone were to go up to Robert Smith and say, hey, Robert, would you come and play this event? he like, y'all sure, I'll do it. And he would do the, these were the songs he would pick. So it wasn't like the obvious Cure songs, uh, a couple of them, but some of them were like, you know, way out in left field, um, like uh, from the top. They did two songs from the top, which you don't really hear, though. you wouldn't really hear those at, a, at an event unless the, the band was a, a real fan of the the group. So uh, what I also liked about the set is that I recognized everyone on stage, but not as uh, the band What Peggy Wants. So this is just from living in Chapel Hill in the 90s. and These guys are always out at shows and doing things, so I'm glad I finally um, was able to put uh, five folks together in the same uh, thing. It was kind of nice. We went on at about 11 p.m., And so before walking on stage, we set up our gear, we dressed out in our costumes, the wigs and all, and then we hit the stage. And, uh, you know, I did this Joey Ramone hit it, dude, and uh, and we played Blitzkrieg Bop. And uh, then into Teenage Lobotomy, and I was so jazzed up in the first hey-hoes that I almost felt like I was going to fall over for a second. Um, That would have been just great, but uh, I, I caught my balance and it was fine. Maybe there's the adrenaline just... Almost knocked me off my feet, literally. Uh, so playing a show in a costume, it's so different from playing as yourself. Um, the leather jacket made it hotter. The wig and the sunglasses made it harder for me to see, and the whole persona—it uh, felt like I was acting rather than expressing art. So it was this different mindset, but it, it was fun. A lot of fun. But you know, there's nothing like playing to a full room at the. Cat's Cradle. I've only done it about seven times uh, in the 25 years that I've been actively playing out. And uh, the Cradle is a a perfectly sized venue. It's large enough to feel like you're reaching a mass of people, but small enough to maintain a a degree of intimacy. Uh, Shows at like sheds and the larger stages always feel so disconnected. Uh, Lots of people, but they're so far away and there's so many of them uh, just too, too much going on there. Um, well, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how well the live stream of the show turned out. And, uh, I've linked to it in the show notes if you want to check it out and who knows how long it'll be available. Uh, but please uh, check it out until next time.
2: we was sailing to Byzantium From the shores of some oblivion I came to know your face Yes, you can Maybe first with paints and marzipan Then throw it straight into the garbage can a tattered, tree place The emperor falls asleep A slowly counting sheep Sick with life and love It's so sad cross the wire Monuments to every heart's desire me without a trace I love you I guess that's the only thing that's left to do After everything we're passing through, no country for To have been a dream, sick with life and love, it's so. This crime has no defense, a tide, magnificence, sick with life and love, it's so
0: Thank you so much, I'm Mike Garrigan, see you next
2: time.